0: Balsam Fir Kakabeka, Northwestern, Ontario 48 degrees, 23 minutes, 45.7 seconds north 89 degrees, 37 minutes, 17.2 seconds west I stand on a stony bluff overlooking a valley filled with the textures and hues of northern forests Blue-green shades of fir needles wind-stoked flashes of brightness from trembling aspen and white birch leaves, spiky crowns of spruce trees, somber canopy gaps over the stunted trees of bogs, and thickets of young evergreens where wind has leveled older stands. I'm on a trail at the edge of one such thicket, a growth so dense that no person could pass without a severe exfoliation. A balsam fir tree overtops most of the crowd of young trees, eight meters tall, and about thirty years old. The fir's whole trunk is visible from the trail, and its location on an elevated bluff yields breezes that, in the summertime, gave me intermittent relief from the hundreds of mosquitoes that gathered at my mammalian blood buffet. A sound like fine metalwork rings from the top of the balsam fir. Tink, tink, zreep. Rivets tapped and rough edges filed. Birds rummage in the cones that swaddle the tree's apex. Their hammers never cease, unifying the flock, telling where seed is most abundant. As they work, shavings fall through the fir's branches, cone scales barely heavier than air, ticking against fir needles as they fall. In summer, the slate blue cones were clenched shut. Copious dribbles of resin kept away birds and squirrels. Now, in October, the cones have browned and the dried resin has fallen. Scales have eased apart to reveal stacks of thin, translucent paper. A flick of wind shatters the cone with a gentle snap and hiss. Then paper kites stream away, some carried high, others spinning to the ground. Each kite has a traveler clinging to its base, a balsam fir seed barely thicker than the paper that carries it. Although the seeds are tiny, they are dense with energy. Drawn by these stores of food, birds join the wind, sweeping their beaks through the cones. The sunlight sequestered inside each cone is thus divided into hundreds of parts. A mossy bank receives the energy latent in a fir embryo. A pine siskin flattens its flanks, and nuthatches tap winter stores under bark crevices. Of the birds that work the balsam fir, none are as vocal as the black capped chickadees. The forest here is dense with fir, spruce, and pine. I can see no farther than a meter or two. But the chickadees' palaver advertises their location from tens of meters away. Like the restless movements of their bodies, chickadee sounds swing and hop, flickering through pitch and rhythm. They punch the air with guttural, dear, dear, then ascend an octave and give a quivering two-noted squeak like the vigorous rubbing of glass. High jabs intersperse slurs. And then the voice drops to a throaty, chickadee. the call that we humans used to give the species its name. In every season that I visit the balsam fir tree, the chickadees flock me. Whether they are assessing, greeting, or just passing through by chance, I do not know. Their inspection is thorough. One arrives and jumps its calls to the higher registers. Then half a dozen more birds gather around me. I freeze. They perch on bouncing fir twigs, centimeters from my face tilting and ducking their heads as they pass their impenetrably dark eyes over me. Their voices rasp as they wing from one side of my face to the other. I see them as they must see one another, not as distant shapes in a treetop, but as beings of great visual intricacy, a tracery of gray plumes over their shoulders, blade-edged flight feathers, combed felt on their cheeks. Sometimes other birds are drawn to the gathering, perhaps responding to a change in the character of the chickadee's acoustic news ticker. A northern perula warbler comes, then a magnolia warbler and a red-breasted nuthatch. These others glance, then drop out of sight. The chickadees are more curious and linger for minutes, then return to gleaning insects from fir needles or poking at cones. These are brief visits, unexceptional for them, I expect, but these chickadees are bolder and more inquisitive by far than any others I have encountered. Most striking are the fine variations of timbre and inflection that emerge from my close hearing of their chatter. At this intimate distance, a seemingly single type of call, dear, resolves into many sonic variants. From 26 simple geometric shapes, we've constructed a written language. In a few minutes' attention to their flock, I hear perhaps as many acoustic graphemes.